0: Welcome to Forbes India Teenpreneurs, a weekly podcast series where we speak with the young and restless. Literally, entrepreneurs and innovators under the age of 20. We'll dissect their enterprises, chart their journeys, and highlight the perils and prizes of starting young. This is your host, Naini Thakur, and welcome to the latest episode of Teenpreneurs. On today's episode, we have two 20 year olds who set up Grey Knight Private Limited a year back. Akash Shroff and Raksha Gowda started this company when they were 19, and they have already received seed funding of Rs. 7 lakh. The duo has come up with a unique wildlife monitoring technology, which provides low-cost access to remote sensing data. This technology they use is called a femto-satellites-based wildlife monitoring system. Yes, it sounded just as complicated to me. So, stick around and listen to these boys explain what their technology is all about and plans for Grey Knight Private Limited. So, um, first, before we get into, you know, what it is uh, that the technology is all about, why don't, um, you know, either one of you start by telling me, how is it that you guys met and decided to, you know, come up with this super cool company uh, and get started?
1: So in fact, this was actually a casual conversation right after one uh, after just another day where where we were done playing cricket. We were just having a casual conversation about how the uh, number of birds and uh, all of that that we see in Bangalore is actually reducing over the years. And with that, after that, we actually went and we were debating about various reasons why this is happening. And we started doing research. Right, That is when we realized that the actual species migration, I mean, the species extinction rate is about 1000 times higher than the actual uh, natural extinction rates. So when we realized this, we were pretty much alarmed and we wanted to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And me being a computer science student from Bitspilani, I definitely thought everything can be uh, addressed with data. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rakshak was at this time, Rakshak was interning at ISRO and he was a, he's a machine learning expert. And while well, I was interning at IAM Bangalore and I was very much inclined towards entrepreneurship. So, and I also run my own nonprofit as well uh, called Spark. So overall, I was very much used, uh, I was very much inclined towards starting ventures and had a background in entrepreneurship and uh, Rakshak already had a background in uh, with space tech and satellites. Mm -hmm. So we actually started discussing about various possibilities and we read up about the existing systems like Mm -hmm. Icarus and Argos, right? So when we read, so when we read up about these, we figured out that there were actually a lot of uh, avenues where we could improve it, and there were a lot of shortfalls in this uh, existing system wherein they weren't able to track certain kinds of species, or they weren't able to track certain avian and marine species. So that is how we actually came up with this idea and uh, started developing it.
0: Okay, sounds fantastic. Uh, when you spoke about you know ICRIS um, and uh, what's the other technology you said? Argos, Argos, right. Can you tell us a little about what these technologies are? And, you know, um, I believe what you guys have is a femto-satellite-based technology, right? So what Mm -hmm. is a femto-satellite-based technology and how different is it from what exists at the moment?
1: Uh, so basically, right now, I think the problem is something we're all well aware of, right? The extinction rates of species is about 1000 times higher than natural extinction rates. And this is because of various factors like climate change, global warming, forest fires, etc. Right? So the natural migration patterns of avian and marine species. So an avian species is basically uh, anything like birds or other species which can fly. So in any avian species and marine species, all of these have been distorted. So migratory species require suitable conditions throughout their annual cycle, that is, uh, be it in their breeding grounds, in their non-breeding range, or along the migratory routes between the two, right? Yeah. Uh, so, the cl- so climate change actually has the potential to disrupt conditions in all the three stages. Okay. Uh, due to this, what happens is when their migration pattern changes, uh, they become more susceptible to predation, and also their reproduction is affected so naturally as a consequence of this their numbers start to dwindle and eventually they move into the endangered category and uh, eventually move into the uh, extinct category as well okay so there so in order to tackle this situation Uh, Basically, the conservationists or research organizations or nonprofits, governments, the uh, World Wildlife Fund or various other stakeholders, right, they actually require access to data about the species migration first. So this is what will help them understand how the climate change is affecting the migration and what measures they can take up. So for example, like they might want to take up measures to counter the high mortality rate of species or tackle the increased susceptibility to predation, especially in species which have long distance migration uh, mm. patterns, right? So basically in order to track this, uh, this uh, there's a process known as biotagging. And biotagging is essentially attaching a small, uh, miniaturized uh, transmitter to and to any species which needs to be tracked for a certain amount of time, and you uh, and gathering the uh, geo geo data from from this transmitter. Okay. So. Currently, bio t- uh, so this process of biotagging is carried out by existing systems like Icarus and Argos. Right. But the problem is they cannot track various smaller avian species and some deep seated uh, marine species yeah. because one uh, when we speak about Argos, it has a uh, extended uh, handshaking period. Mm-hmm. So due to this extended handshaking period, we cannot, uh, we cannot actually track these deep-seated marine species. Mm-hmm. And another issue with tracking avian species as well is that the size of the biotag is pretty large. So okay. we will not be able to track a lot of these uh, smaller species. So what we are doing is essentially we're using femto satellites based in the low Earth orbit. We're using a constellation of femto-satellites. And for the uninitiated, a femto-satellite in very common terminology is basically a miniaturized satellite that weighs under 100 grams. So we will be using a network of 17 of these femto-satellites in low Earth orbit and utilizing our patent-pending technology we will be able to reduce the tracking costs, decrease the transmission energy, have lesser handshaking periods. And most importantly, since our, the size of our biotags will be smaller, we will be able to effectively track marine species. And with the reduced handshaking periods, we will be able to track deep seated uh, marine species as well.
0: Um, and currently um, for you know, this particular technology, who would your target audience be?
1: So uh, at the moment, basically, our target audience would be, be various wildlife conservation organizations, government conservation projects, nonprofits, yeah. conservationists, world bodies like the World Wildlife Fund hmm. and various environmental initiatives which require access to this data. Hmm. So currently, in order to track uh, track one animal. Uh, they're charged anywhere between $7,000 to $9,000. But using our technology, since we'll be using COTS components, that's basically components off the shelf, which are used in most femto-satellite systems. Since our capital expenditure will be reduced, we will be able to provide our tracking services at a 20% reduced cost. So approximately somewhere between $5,000 to $7,000 is where we'll be able to offer our services. And currently about $800 million is actually spent on tracking about 1,000 plus species annually, and is projected to grow to about $3.8 billion in the uh, next five years. And we are looking at uh, optimistically capturing about 15% of this market segment in the next 15 years. I mean, in the next five years.
0: Right, right. Um, And when you talk about, um, you know, the business model in particular, like you said, you'd be charging approximately 20% less. So would would this be, um, I mean, how would it be based? I mean, you'd be charging these organizations um, based on the number of species you're tracking or what would it be like? Yeah,
1: so there will be a combination of factors which uh, affect the pricing portfolio. So basically the number of data points uh, which are required the frequency at which these data points need to be tracked, the time period for which it needs to be tracked, and the geographical area. So, combining all of these factors, the uh, tra- species tracking cost can vary anywhere between $5,000 to $7,000 a year.
0: Understood. Okay. And currently, what stage is this technology at?
1: So currently, we've received we have received one of our provisional patents, and we're in the process of filing five additional patents uh, on our uh, on the design of our uh, satellites, on the motherboard, and on the propulsion systems, and the design of the uh, the biotag itself. Mm. And after this, we we have also made an agreement with the European Space Agency through which they will be covering the uh, launch costs for our uh, first satellite. And we have uh, seed funding from a reputed incubator Mm -hmm. and we're looking at raising about uh, $300,000 through a convertible note by this this winter.
0: Okay, fantastic. So right now, uh, I mean, how long do you think it'll take for you to actually launch the technology in the market?
1: Uh, So we're looking at launching our prototype anywhere between 18 to 24 months. That is, of course, subjected to, I mean, subject to how COVID plans out and how COVID plays out because uh, we need access to our labs. And right now that has been affected. So whenever we get access to our labs, we would require 18 months from then to actually launch our first prototype. And once our prototype is successfully launched, we would require anywhere between 12 to 15 months to get the entire uh, system operational. So mm-hmm. we are projecting anywhere around three to three and a half years to have the entire uh, system completely functioning. Uh,
0: some dedication. Um, so COVID did take like a solid hit um, on your plans, right? Like set you guys back a couple of months at least.
1: Yes, yes, it definitely did. I mean we're we're parallelly running whatever simulations we can and yeah. all of that, but we won't be able to do any microenvironmental testing and actually start with the fabrication of our satellites until we uh, until we can get access to our labs.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, Rakshak, I'm just going to bring you in now. Um, If you can tell me, uh, was entrepreneurship, because like Akash said, that was always at the back of his mind. um, Was entrepreneurship part of your long-term plans ever? Um, And and when Akash brought this up to you, um, were you at all kind of nervous about, you know, um, getting involved uh, with the business bit of it, uh, being the techie that you are?
2: Yeah. Uh, and at this moment also, I'm not interested in this business aspect. The main idea for me is to do something for the world or build something new so that it would benefit to the people. When I came up with this idea, I told "Yeah, I would, uh, of course, support you with the technical aspects and be uh, behind this technological part. But business thing, no, it's not my cup of cake. You do whatever you want. But yeah, I'm sure I'll be a part of this and help the world to at its best.
0: Right, right. And according to you, you know, um, in this entire process of setting up the company and the technology, what has been the most challenging part?
2: The most challenging part is being pitching to the investors, of <laughs> course. Yeah,
0: <I'm laughs>
2: yeah, sure. Because I, I don't speak much to the people around me or anyone else, so... Yeah pitching, opening to them and making understand them what actually this technology is big, big to make hmm. Like I can explain the technological aspect to another scientist or any other person in the same field. But to a layman or an investor, it's like, yeah, you have to prepare around two to three days before. How do you pitch them? How do you quote it properly and stuff? Yeah, that's the difficult part for me.
0: Right, right. And, and do you think, uh, I mean, while of course the technology is so um complicated, that's that's the other part of it, but do you think that age has proven to be a barrier for the both of you when it comes to getting investment and getting good funding?
1: Uh, definitely uh, not. I don't think age was ever a barrier for us because, uh, I mean, I think in fact, if not anything else, the age of being younger is actually on our side because when we look at uh, either pitching investors or even getting a CA right hmm. uh, so they're actually willing to help us out like the CA waived off a part of his cost because he was wow. very much happy with the fact that a bunch of youngsters are actually trying to do something to Sweet. impact the world right so yeah. they are they're more supportive. The fact that we started this company as 19-year-olds, mm. a lot more people were more supportive. And getting, us, getting that seed fund, being a Pilani student, wasn't that very difficult because we have a pretty good uh, entrepreneurship ecosystem wherein they support a lot of uh, new and upcoming ventures and they can put us through to some investors. And uh, that was really helpful. So age was definitely not a barrier for us.
0: I'm glad to hear that. Rakshak, do you have any uh, thoughts on the same?
2: Uh, I think it's pretty different from the business aspect what Akash told for me. Yeah. So because as the business part, yeah, I think Akash is a good pitching person and he does it well. But when you go to the technological part, the age actually matters a lot. Like me being a 19 or 19 year old student going to a reputed space organization and tell I want to do this project. Of course, if, even if I come to you being an 18 or 19 year old you would tell stop creating this technology and you, it never matches. You have to be dedicated or something like that. And so that was, you are proving them that you are worthy for it, took a lot of time for me. Like me proving them my dedication or other stuff, my preparing my blueprint or other stuff, it took a lot of time for me. And of course, age does matter a lot in Mm. this technological aspect. But in our country, like India, people won't support these stuff a lot. Mm. Mm. So, like, I mean, we are currently basically they have this mindset. Either you go for engineering or do another medical courses. That's it. And in this world, people can't survive in a single talent. Basically, like if you are doing one thing, you can't survive in this world. I'm mm. not condemning about other person who are very famous or something. But mm. general, as a person, you can't just survive with a single talent. So I thought I could keep put my hands through this
0: yeah. and
2: work it out. So let's see how it goes. How it
0: you guys are doing a fantastic job so far and I wish that, you know, it continues growing at the same pace. Um, And, and coming back to you, Akash, uh, from the time you guys started, which was when you were uh, 19, how many months did it take for you guys to finally get that seed funding?
1: Uh, so we basically started off in November of 2019 mm-hmm. and we uh, we got our seed funding approved in March okay. and uh, we, we made our, I mean, we had signed our basic LOI and all of that. Mm-hmm. We incorporated our company in June and then we received our seed
0: funding. Lovely. Great to hear that. Um, and, and how do you plan to further expand the company and scale up the business?
1: Right. Uh, So the first thing is we're actually looking at incorporating it as a U.S. based company because space technology and conservation has a lot more scope in the United States. And we're looking at uh, and the first thing we're looking to do is we're actually looking at getting into an international space tech accelerator. And we've just had a very successful Witspilani space tech startup launch. So utilizing some of those networks, we're looking at getting into a good space tech accelerator and uh, well, uh, immediately we're looking at raising about three hundred thousand dollars of uh, capital in our seed round, and <laughs> eventually we would require anywhere between two to three million dollars of uh, capital to actually have a fully functional network of uh, seventeen femto satellites. So we'll probably look at that in the uh, at the later part of our seed round or our CVC stage.
0: Okay, interesting. Um, and. I mean, you guys are doing something which is this massive and having such, you know, long term plans. Um, How supportive have your parents been? Um, Akash, if you can go first and Raksha, I'll come to you after that.
1: Right. Well, my parents have always been very much supportive. And even now, when I do tell them about uh, my plans and when I actually want to graduate and then work on this full time in a couple of years, Mm -hmm. uh, they are very much for it. But however, I mean, when I started this company, I wanted to, wanted to do it totally on my own. And I didn't want to take any family funding or any family support, just like I ran my NGO. Yeah. I didn't want any family support or any family contact so I didn't actually go with the family CA or take any family funding so we went and pitched investors the hard way we did a lot of cold mailing and cold calling and eventually we got our investment and even when it came to simple things such as hiring a CA uh, I went and tried to find one on my own and we found a good CA and got it done so even though my family is very supportive I think that's that's one of the reasons why we're successful.
0: I'm glad. Uh,
2: and what about you, Raksha? Yeah, my family are always backing me up in all the stuff which I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's actually a kind of a extra additional strength which you get when family support you or back you, like anything mm-hmm. like that. But yeah. yeah, more than my dad, I think my mom has been a part of me for my whole life, and mm-hmm. I'm sure she be in the rest of. She will be the same the rest of my success yeah. career or something more. And I'm being appreciated for those. And even Akash's mom or dad do, being very supportive for the same stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. You. Did they ever, you know, kind of um, doubt the fact that, you know, um, you're doing your undergraduation and simultaneously run, running a company and these uh, three, four years are super important. So was that ever a concern that they sounded you guys
2: Uh. Actually, yeah, I mean, I told them like I'm going to start a company, at yeah. first my dad to get off his joke, come on. <laughs>
0: <You> <laughs> stop <laughs>
2: kidding, come and have dinner. And yeah. I told them, yeah, no, I'm. actually I'm not as serious in my house, so everyone take mm. me for granted, that's a different path. And I told, no, I'm I'm serious, I'm starting a company, I'm on this and this stuff. So they didn't understand this aspect. as I told mm. the technical aspect. what the industry yeah, is, going to do something, these mm. guys want to do, okay, fine, let us support him. So that's how I went. But even after general, parents think Yeah, come on, you have to complete your graduation first. You have to get settled in life, then put hands through this. That's what the similar concern of my parents as well. But I think I was successful by convincing that, that come on, this is the age where you just explore stuff and do whatever you want in my life. Because I don't want to be a same conventional student who just Mm. graduates and works for other Mm. people and Mm. learn and die at the end. I want to do something by my own, like Mm. invent something, like other people I want to live freely. I don't want to work for any other one. And it took a very long time to convince this part for them. And after that, time, I think I was pretty convinced. They were convinced and I was convinced by their answers. And uh, that's how I'm here now.
0: Coming back to you, Akash, uh, you know, your thoughts and, and what was your parents' reaction? I mean, balancing studies with running a company. Uh, plus, you already had an NGO that you were running. So what was their reaction like?
1: Absolutely. Like, they, uh, they definitely weren't very... Uh, very amused about it because obviously that was the time when I was running my NGO and I was just working with these am Bangalore professors and I had quite a bit on my plate mm. and I took up this startup and well my grades took a hit for that semester and they they weren't very happy with it then but now well yeah. I'm doing pretty well and getting uh, decent scores in my acads as well and parallelly I'm running my NGO hmm. doing good internships and the startup so now they're now they're happy with it
0: I'm glad to hear that and and I feel like I I mean you know your uh, respective educational institutes also deserve uh, Great deal of, um, you know, appreciation, because I feel like um, they're encouraging you to do that. And like you said, Bits Pilani has, um, you know, a lot of support when it comes to entrepreneurship and connect. So I suppose that that would have helped you guys as well, uh, to a great, great extent, right?
1: Definitely. I mean, right from my early years when I was a student of NPS Rajajinagar, right. Mm-hmm. So they have this entrepreneurs day that is where I was actually introduced to entrepreneurship, right? Mm-hmm. Where uh, they have uh, where we're introduced to terms like venture capital, ROI, etc. When we're just class six students, mm-hmm. so we're asked to come and pitch all of our parents, and mm-hmm. they. They act as our venture capitalists and basically uh, give us funding. With that fund, we we utilize. I mean, the we utilize the fund to basically uh, make some kind of products like envelopes or something different, and uh, we sell it to people and we we utilize that money to actually do something for a social or charitable cause, right? Mm -hmm. So that is where my inclination towards entrepreneurship and something social, be it my NGO or Mm -hmm. be it my startup, where we're still working as social entrepreneurs to uh, tackle environmental issues, right? So this entire motivation and concept is uh, thanks to my school.
0: I'm glad to know that. Congratulations to the both of you for the fantastic work that you're doing at such a young age. Wishing you all the very best. You were listening to Forbes India Team pranors. We'll be back next week with another Team pranors. See you then. Today's show was edited and mixed by Manswini Kaushik. If you like the show, don't forget to share and subscribe. Also check out our other podcasts, a fortnightly series on our latest cover story called Inside Forbes India and conversations about business, economics and books on From the Bookshelves of Forbes India.